interesting because if you break down any of these psychological tests and you and you understand where they're coming from they're effectively asking you the same question over and over and over again and seeing if you give the same response and then they're trying to take an aggregate of that uh okay but this one there's enough questions i believe there's 70 questions and then if you hang on till the very end of the test there's some additional ones you can take that really surprised me i'm not going to spoil what those were i didn't i didn't see them coming though um, okay so is this like is this trying to detect narcissism um in a I'm, I'm reading through them now i'm doing this for the sake of time i'm doing the compressed version yeah so in a sense yes what it does is if you if you do the long version what it basically does is it breaks out these test results um into these categories and the categories are egoism greed machiavellianism moral disengagement narcissism psychological entitlement psychopathy sadism self-centeredness and spitefulness so that all those topics there all those labels encompass the d score and that's the kind of the crux of what we're talking about tonight is the D score. What is the D score? Okay. For, for me, and the reason this came up, honestly, and this is, um, yeah, and, and, and keeping them in, uh, in the, the fashion of, uh, you know, we don't like normal things. We like things that are effing weird. Mm -hmm. I came across this article today talking about the dark triad. Now I, I knew what the dark triad was. Um, but this article was discussing the fact that there was a subtext to the dark triad and researchers, I think it was, they started in about 2018, they started doing this study. And what they effectively identified through this study, and to be clear, if you take this test, and we will post a link to this test in our Discord, there, it's there several places, but we'll post it. You are effectively if you allow it you don't have to allow it but you can say yes you are participating in this study oh, okay. um and at this point if i counted the numbers correctly it looked like somewhere on the around the neighborhood of two million people had participated in this study wow um and now how many of those people took it for fun and then said yes i'm being serious it's that's hard to tell um but it's pretty comprehensive but like i said it is a series of effectively asking you the same question but in a little bit different way or a little bit different tone to see how honest you're being um so kind of what i went into it with is that i went through it relatively quickly and didn't think about it so i didn't give myself an opportunity to compose a lie in my head about myself mm -hmm. i just answered with what i thought um yeah. and going back because you can see your results and you can see your answer some of my results surprised me but then i had to ask myself is that really what i think and i'm like yeah it kind of is um so it it kind of it unnerved me a little bit the the results that i had but um i think that's ultimately why i found that article so interesting talking about the dark factor of personality in this kind of extension of what is the dark triad um you know and the dark triad has been around for 
several decades at this point. It's not it's not a new philosophy in psychology. It's not something that's just popped up and people are just now talking about. It's more, um, especially with the dark factor, people digging a little bit deeper and trying to um, get into the, you know, the, the psychology of being human and what makes each of us who we are. And moreover, what makes us make the decisions that we make. Um, with the article that I went through, a big piece of what they were trying to do, if you get down to the very bottom, what I read into it is that they're applying it to people that have been labeled certain things, whether it be narcissists, psychopaths, whatever, and kind of in more people that commit crimes and how we go about reducing recidivism. Uh, and so I think this study was a big piece of that. But at the same time, I think it's fair to say that there's lots of people in the, in, on the earth, I think the three of us included, that don't go out and commit crimes. But if you were to study yourself, you find out that you actually can fall somewhere on this scale. Um, not to give too much away, but I took this test. I expected to score fairly low. Basically, on a scale of one to five, I thought I'd be very low. I was at a two and a half on a scale of five. Okay. And I'm like, Good for you. Well, yeah. I'm like, well, shit. <laughs> okay. Um, significantly higher. And I was shocked. Did you? Probably, yes, I did. And I probably shouldn't have been. But, uh, but also, I always joking, uh, like I said, with, you know, um, my friends and everything, I'm like, wow, I got said I should be a serial killer because I got all the uh, childhood traits like head trauma, things like that, concussions at an early age, things like that. I said, but somehow I deviated off that path and didn't go that route because I like animals too much, I guess. I'm not one of the animal killers. <laughs> so, <laughs> But no, I, well, I, I, I scored way higher than I thought I was going to score on that. So. Okay, but way higher than me or? Higher than you, yes. Okay. Are you, are you inclined to give us your number or is that privileged um, information? On the sh I, I'm still, do I'm going to do the long, the 70 question test on the short test. I did a 3.35. Okay. Okay. So I was, I was out of the gray and into, uh, it was getting a little dark, put it that way. <laughs> okay. So if you do the short version, does it give you the scatter plot at the end? Yes. Yes. Okay. And I was above average. Yeah. Yeah. I think the scatter plot, probably is what amazed me the most because that really is sort of telling um, it, when it comes to the specific traits that we, we had just mentioned. And that's the, um, ooh, excuse me, that's the, the Machiavellianism, the moral disengagement, narcissism, psychological entitlement, psychopathy, spitefulness, and sadism. There was a couple of those where I was like, uh Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I didn't see that coming. Um, yeah. Anyway, so yeah, so our topic for tonight came out of a news article that I read earlier today, thought was interesting, dropped in our Discord, and everybody kind of went, yeah. Um, so like I said, forgive me for the three hours of research. My outline is far from comprehensive, but I think overall the topic is more about discussion than it is trying to get through the nitty-gritty of the science, because ultimately a lot of this is still fairly poorly understood. Um, but as we go through the terms, I think we all know somebody that fits into some of these terms and, um, 
you know, it is a standout in a specific category. And I think that's what makes the discussion fun. Have we done the official intro yet or? <laughs> I think I threw it in there, but. Okay. Sure. Um, you can cut we can, me out. Coming in late, but. <laughs> oh, no, we're welcome to do another one. I don't, I, I don't know. Yeah. I'd... If one of you guys want to do the official one, we'll, we'll uh, just like roll with it. Go ahead, Clark. All right. Well, welcome back to that Seth and Weird. Uh, tonight we have a fun, uh, fun little topic. This is going to be more discussion than anything. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna talk about a, a, a news article that Grindhouse here has brought to our attention. Um, this is fresh off the presses, by the way. Like literally today, <laughs> I saw it and I saw the timestamp on it. And I was like, oh, that came out literally this morning. Um, but first off, let's get the introductions out of the way. I am one of your hosts. I am Clark, a.k.a. the Reverend Snakebite. I am Brent. Oh. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. This happens. It always happens. Okay. I'm Brent, but everyone here knows me as Grindhouse Zombie. Yeah. Yeah. Still I'm, Seth. I'm ready to go. I already said I'm Seth. I said, I'm Seth. Seth. Hey, I'm Seth. Everybody, I'm Seth. You're watching the video. That's Seth. He's down there. Yes. Yeah. Well, first off, my house is in a very horrible disarray. I can't uh, can't be on camera tonight, but I'm I'm very glad to be here with you guys in in audio. Well, I'm I'm gonna one up you. I'm back, but I'm not even in my house. <laughs> this is a this is a totally different house. I I do like that hexagram shelf you got back there. With the, is that a succulent? Uh, it is. It's not mine though. Nice. So I'm just. Yeah, we're going to go cool. with it. This is my like background. geometry of that. <laughs> well, right. who, who, which one of you guys any, are going to... Anybody that would know a succubus, it would be... Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, who, who's, who's going who's gonna to carry us away into this uh, personality disorder trait survey? Yeah. So... Uh, all things be equal, I'm not much of a random scroller. I'm not going to pick up my phone and just because I, I just don't have the time. Um, so for the few things that I do get, my phone has gotten to a point where it knows me pretty well, and it only offers me up the things that it really thinks that I'm going to find interesting. I, I generally don't care about the latest meme, the latest country star, or what our dipshit president may or may not have done while trying to climb a flight of stairs. Um, so this article came across, and it's titled, Scientists Have Found the Driving Force Behind Your Darkest Impulses. And I literally just went, ooh, <laughs> like I got excited. And with a lot of these articles, you never know. Sometimes it's fluff. Sometimes it's just going to be nonsense. Um, in the first line of the article, it literally says, psychologists call it the dark triad. And from there... Fish on, just reel me in. It had because I'm I'm very familiar with the dark triad. Um, I do want to, to say real quick though that is that is metal as fuck. The dark oh, triad. God. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, it, it, to define the dark triad, so we're all effectively there and talking about the same thing. Um, I'm gonna borrow some words from I believe it's psychology today. So I want to give credit where credit is due. It is psychology today. Sometimes there's no point in reinventing the wheel when someone's already done it better than you. Um 
So the phrase dark triad effectively refers to a trio of negative personality traits. Um, it's narcissism, Machiavellianism, and psychopathy. Um, and all of those share some very common malevolent features. Um, you know, this construct, the dark triad, was coined by two researchers, uh, Delroy Paulhouse and uh, Kevin M. Williams, and it was coined in 2002. So this is not new thinking or new phrasing. Um, so people with these traits tend to be callous and manipulative, willing to do or say practically anything to get their way. Um, they have a very inflated view of themselves and are often shameless about self-promotion. They tend to be impulsive and may engage in dangerous behavior, in some cases even committing crimes, without any regard for how their actions affect others. So while many researchers consider psychopathy, oh, I already fucked that word, I knew I was going to do it, psychopathy, narcissism, and Machiavellianism, three distinct traits of overlapping characteristics, there's another school of thought that believe that these commonalities suggest an underlying personality concept that has yet to be fully defined. So. In, in any science, as we're studying, we all, I think we've all talked and we've all agreed, we only know what we know today. Tomorrow, we might know something different. Um, but we're working with what we've got right now. I find, that, so, um, I find that interesting. This is, I don't know if they specified this at all, but the three, like picking that, psychopathy, narcissism, and Machiavellianism, I find that interesting because that's, like just me on the surface, this is me spitballing here, but like psychopathy is um, like it's, it's kind of care for nothing, narcissism, care for only the self, and Machiavellianism, care for only the goal. So we, will we will discuss each individual one there, 3.5, okay? Or, I'm sorry, 3.35, not 3.5, 3.35. So yeah, Don't ever sell me. I'm, I am no, I'm no longer nervous for myself. I'm more afraid for you, Clark. Right. Um, I'm having trouble understanding it. So high is bad. Um, yeah, it's darker. It's, it's darker. It's not a function of necessarily bad. It's just a function oh, okay. of if you were to take a lot of uh, here's a reality of this. If you were to take Jeff Bezos and give him this test, he's probably a 4.9. Okay? okay. Same with Elon Musk. Okay, they're probably both 4.9s on this test. Um and but, mean they're necessarily terrible people, but they will do everything to get to get the you know, the means, but in the end justifies the means kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to take that back. I think Elon Musk is a 4.5 and Jeff Bezos is a 4.9 because he seems like he's a bigger dick. But that's just me. So of the three pieces, um, what does each of them mean, right? So for most researchers, psychopathy, um, and it's a trait characterized by a lack of empathy and remorse. It's one of the darkest of the dark triad. Um, as in psychopaths, I'm air quoting psychopaths generally cause more harm to individuals in society than do narcissists or people that are referred to as high mocks or high Machiavellians. Um, keep something in mind now. The term psychopath is not a mental health diagnosis. Okay. It, the, the disorder that most commonly or closely represents it um, is something called antisocial personality disorder. So, you know, in our, in our zeitgeist, we use the term psychopath all the time. It's, it's not a diagnosis. No one's ever been diagnosed as a psychopath because it doesn't exist as a diagnosis. Um, it's just, it ends up being just kind of a blanket term for people that do things that a lot of us don't understand. You know, how could you do that? Oh, that person's a psychopath. I, in a lot of ways, it makes sense, but it's also, a, 
one of the false prophecies of a narrative that uh, people are preaching. You know, Ted Bundy was a psychopath. Uh, So-and-so was a psychopath. It, well, great, but that doesn't actually mean anything. You know, there's no technical meaning that says that that's what that person did and this is how I understand them. Also in media, like that term outlasts some of the people we have attributed it to. So if you think about it, like the movie Psycho kind of predates a lot of the golden age of like 70 serial killers and things like that. Like we look back and we're just like, oh, that's a psycho. He's crazy. You know, but it's like, that's not really that, what that person's diagnosis is, like you said. So it's it's like the term is has been in our media so long that we kind of take it for granted. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But uh, but all, all the while say, OK, so define psychopath. And OK, what are the define? Nobody can do it because it's a it's a generic umbrella term for things that people that do things or may or may not have a mental disorder that we don't understand. That's really what it boils Ooh, this down reminds to. me a lot of the the gen, the the general terminology of schizophrenia. If you actually look up the definition, it's shocking how much it's like a kind of an umbrella for like a whole bunch of stuff. Nothing really specific. Right. Yeah, we kind of use that flippantly as well. And yet mm -hmm. that a diagnosis that can manifest in a lot of different ways. Yeah. So moving on to the second point of the triangle is Machiavellianism. So once again, not a mental health diagnosis. Okay. No one is ever going to walk out of a doctor's office going, oh no, I'm Machiavellian. Okay. It's not going to happen. Um, Eh, rather, it's a personality trait describing a manipulative individual who deceives and tricks others to achieve goals. Um, it's based on a, the political philosophy of Clark Machiavelli. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. Niccolo Machiavelli. And uh, some evidence suggests that of the dark traits, um, Machiavellianism is the one most closely tied to high intelligence. Um, so if like a psychologist refers to somebody as a high mock, it means they behave, behave, they behave in a very highly manipulative manner. There are somebody who uses everyone and everything at their disposal to get what they want. They will tell anybody anything to achieve, as Clark put it, the goal. And which I, I and also to defend him a little bit, there have been much more, I guess, vilified people in history who were who are called Machiavellian, but they were way worse than he actually was. <laughs> so he's a, he's one of those people where it's like, unfortunately, the name is associated with a term now, but it's like he's, you know, I mean, he was a writer at best, you know, okay, the prince, it's, you know, that's where we get Machiavellian term from. But if you really think about it, you could say the same thing about Sun Tzu writing The Art of War. Oh, so that means he was a genocidal madman because he told you how to, waged the perfect war. You know, <laughs> it's kind of how I feel about it. Machiavelli wrote the the rules of being a successful leader. And therefore we look at him now as being like the, uh, the you know, the term for a cruel, cold politician. But like I said, you could say the same thing about Sun Tzu and been like, well, this guy was way ahead of his time. Like we still study that in modern warfare, basically like the art of war is literally First book you would read if you go to West Point or VMI or anywhere like that. And yet nobody looks back at Sun Tzu and been like, well, this guy was crazy. I mean, so I don't know. That's just, I find that funny that he gets vilified, but he's actually probably way less, um, you know, atrocious than a lot of military or historical figures. 
that it came after him. Well, but that I mean that all really boils down to history, right? And then and often how often your name is mentioned. Um, and it, it's if you're if you're honest about it, there was a point in our history when we took people that were mentally ill and in, in order to calm them down, we took a, a slim metal rod, put it in their eye socket, and tapped it until it broke through their brain, and then we stirred a little bit and pulled it out, and miraculously they were calmer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that was called an orbital lobotomy. Okay. Named after the famous Star Wars character Lobot. Yes. <laughs> well, and the funniest thing about things like, and it's now referred to as the transorbital lobotomy, those are making a comeback, if you can believe it. They're really? making a comeback. People are, when we have people that are, spend their life in a highly agitated state, can't be controlled with medication, um, and ultimately, are not in a place where they can participate in their own recovery or their own betterment, it is making a comeback. And that's another article that I read probably a year or so ago. And I'll be honest, it blew my freaking mind. Like, really, really. I mean, there was a, all things being cool, put it this way. There was a point where somebody with the last name Kennedy got a lobotomy because it was better for her in the moment. Okay. So, Anyway, we're straying off topic, but I mean, so Machiavellian. Well, I got when. Oh, nah. sorry. Go ahead. Seth. No, go ahead. No, no, no. That's just the feeling I got when uh, Tennessee brought back the electric chair. It, like I remember that like um, big dip in like uh, euthanasia drugs, where where the Europeans were like, "Hey, what have you been using this for the past thirty years?" Oh, um, the ph- the phenobarbital. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. What what were you guys doing with that? Oh, nothing. Nothing. Don't look over here. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> all right sorry Way go in. ahead <laughs> well but i mean that's a it, 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 in the in the pure zeitgeist i think that's a, a, a that part of it too is a fascinating topic how one country you know that's outside of us and outside of our laws can control how we enforce our laws and ultimately adjudicate justice um but i forget which state it is but now there's one that is using i believe it's like i think it's nitrogen it's like a nitrogen uh, like a like a tank where they yeah uh, they basically well, inject so them. many ways to kill someone like you would think that uh you know it would be ooh that would be a great controversial topic uh 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 executions yeah well oklahoma oh. you can still reserve the right for um firing squad in oklahoma i want the firing hey, there squad. you go that see that's that's more efficient see, i want well, the fire- i'm wondering yeah. is what do you think what do you think costs more do you think the power bill for the electric chair or the two and a half dollars it yeah. takes to, and the firing squad because it's like Man, yeah uh, for the yeah. bullets <laughs> that that's lights out after that no i want the firing squad and i want to i want no blindfold and i want to look at each one of them because i know with my skills of perception i'll know who's got the live round i'll know i'll just know yeah. you know because they dodging claim... purposes or to yeah. like give him a look so he will haunt him the rest of his life no yeah. no no just to look at him and go it's okay i get it don't worry about oh, it oh okay just well, let they, it go. They, well, you should score better on the test then. You'd think. Yeah, wait a minute. Why were you wait? Why were you being executed in the first place? Yeah. Um <laughs> if I were to guess at this point, it's something that would be labeled insurrection. That's what I would guess. Oh, uh, okay. Um, All right. Yeah. We'll, yeah. We'll, we'll we'll wait and find out. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not an insurrectionist. I'm being funny. Let's be clear about that. So the third point of our triangle, uh narcissism generally characterized by excessive self-regard and heightened arrogance. 
while many narcissists are merely frustrating, um, extreme or what are labeled as malignant narcissists can become emotionally abusive or even violent when they aren't given the special treatment that they believe is deserved. So with the dark triad in these three points, this is, for the last 20 or so years, what has been known as kind of the the center point or the focus of these dark human traits. Now, what we're really talking about tonight, even though the dark triad is super interesting, is what we're talking about is what's called the dark factor. Now, the dark factor is a whole new sort of branch of philosophy in terms of, well, what if there's more to this? Um, and the goal ultimately saying, what if, and they tiptoe around it in all of the um, explanations that I have seen of the dark factor. But if you break it right down, what if there are people that are just rotten at the core? They're just rotten. Um, they have all these various characteristics about them, and none of them are fundamentally good. That's a good point for me to go take a piss. I'll be right back. <clears throat> well, I have a question for... Uh, Please, for love uh, God, edit that out. <laughs> I got... Yeah. Um, I got uh, a question for you, Clark. Okay, so I'm I'm going through this test and everything. And there's like, you know, questions, that, uh, uh, separation of church and state. When you put like a question like that on a, on a one to five, my, I feel like that's a discussion because it's like, what are we talking about? Are we talking about separating the powers? Are we talking about whether or not someone can freely express what their beliefs are in, in like a public setting or whatever? Like there's like, a, I have me personally, I have a lot of questions for like that one individual thing so that is you're doing, one. you're doing the full 70 question test, right? I did the 16 briefly. And then, okay. uh, so I got, I'm done with that, but I'll do the 71 later. Okay, so for second you do, time. If you do the full 70 question test versus the 16 one, you, you did the addendum basically. So the addendum oh, okay, starts okay. asking about your religion and your political leanings. Oh, so that makes me it doesn't have, yeah, that does not have a bearing on the test results. Okay, good. All right. Well, I'm, I'm doing this with a VPN, so. Yeah, I put my wrong birth date in there. They're not. They're not. I declined to do the further uh, questionnaire, which basically is about religion and politics. And I was like, "Nope, (laughs) not about to get into this." (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, mine is a two point seven five. I don't know if that's. I mean, I'm looking at this through good, good and bad. So I don't know, but uh, I'm not too worried about this. Like these types of tests, this is like the uh, engram tests, kind of. Well, that's the thing is like, I mean, two, seven, five, like I, I would find that kind of respectable because if you're at two, five, think about this. If you actually are completely in the white, say you got a one, I would mm-hmm. think that that would show a certain amount of naivety. You know what I mean? Like you're being, yeah. you're, that would mean you're a person that's being walked over your entire life. Yeah. Pushover. Yeah. 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 You're not standing up for yourself at all. So gotcha. that's how I would look at that. Well, the weird one was like, would you take a would you take one punch if someone else yeah. got two punches? Punched twice. I would I rather. When I answered that question, I and I'm sure we'll get to some of the questions, but um, but when I saw that, I was I was taking the test in front of somebody, a friend, and I read it out loud, and I was just like, "No," I was like, "I'm not going to take a punch for someone else getting punched twice." Yeah, I said, I'll yeah. Take a, I'll 
I'll take a punch if that person's getting like stabbed. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a neutral for me. Like, like a that's good, fine. like yeah. it depends also, like they ask questions on revenge. Well, like, okay, how severe is it? Like, what are we talking about? Did you take right. a few bucks from me or did you kill my dog? Like, you know, exactly. <laughs> like I, 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 I would prefer to like wait for, for the best, best moment that would just right. utterly affect you rather than immediately punch you or something. That's the, know. that's the glory of the test though, is you don't get to make that decision. They don't give you enough information. You do, you have oh. to decide on the facts that you have. And that's where I said earlier, I just answered them fast. So I didn't mm -hmm. give my, I didn't give myself enough time to conjure up a story in my head where it was okay. Right. I just answered. And I mean, I, I don't know if I, because I, I would bet you that if I got up and I was having a great day and I took that test, my score would be lower. If I got up and I, or I came home from work and I had a shitty day at work, I bet you my score would be higher. Um, yeah. So I just tried to average day, take it and take it as fast as I could. I think I did it, honestly, probably in less than four or five minutes. Just, yeah. just answer the questions like, what's my gut response? You know, and mine 20 minutes before we jumped in the lounge. So like, yeah, like I just jumped on, knocked it out and got in. So like, I didn't really think about it too hard, but, um, but one thing, uh, while you were up, uh, that I wanted to bring up, cause I thought it was an interesting point. Um, Seth finished his, uh, questionnaire, we'll call it. And, um, uh, he ended up being like a 2.75. And um, I wanted to bring up this and I want to see what your feelings are is I think that's respectable to be like right at a 2.5, because if you're like a one, that would mean you're like a pushover. That would mean that you're not standing up for yourself at all or not motivated at all. So I think that like ending up somewhere in the middle is actually kind of respectable. That's uh, on, honestly the discussion and, and that my wife and I were having after she took it because she was like a 1.2. Yeah. <laughs> and um, but like I said, when I think about her and, I, and now that I know the terms of the questions, that's exactly how I think about her. And she said with me, when she, in terms of the questions, that's exactly how she thinks about me. That I have there are some parts of me that I would go to extreme measures to do things. But generally speaking, no, it's there's a level headed and whatever else. And so, again, I think that if a lot of this probably. And I think that's the hardest part, taking it when you're in the right mood to take it and it would be reflective of yourself. But. I almost think it would be a test best taken if someone just grabbed you, sat you down and said, answer these questions or I'm going to shoot you in the face, you know, because then you've got something to lose. And I think you're going to be as honest and as quick about it. And it's like, answer these questions. I'm going to shoot you in the face. You got five minutes, go. And you're just, or, you're not like, going to. Like family feud style. They just stop you in a mall. You know? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, okay. yeah. Answer this real quick. <laughs> well, so then to your point about being in the middle, being respectable, I think you're right. <clears throat> But then at the same time, when it gives you that scatter plot, that I think is what teaches you something about yourself where, mm -hmm. because like, you know what, I'll just go to mine and I will tell you what it said. Mine says that I am about the least greedy person in the world. That's what it says. And I didn't know this about myself. It also says that I'm self-centered as hell. <laughs> and I never would have thought that about myself. I don't spend my life feeling self-centered mm -hmm. and 
the second highest score on there, the second highest number was sadism. And I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't even make any sense. But then if you think about the term sadism and you take you take out the sexual qualifier mm-hmm. and just look at sadism for what it actually is, and you look at the characteristics of, of somebody who is sadistic, I'm like, oh yeah. Yeah. Yep, that's okay. The guy with all the horror movie memorabilia behind him. Well, okay, so that's the whole thing. So some of that makes sense, but it's like I'm happy that I'm not sadistic. I I, I don't lack, or I'm you know I'm I'm not high in moral disengagement. I'm not high in narcissism, you know. So the 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 score is one thing. I think the plot really is it kind of what was the I don't want to call it the end all be all, but what was like the defining thing for me, and it was like. If you're honest with yourself and you took the test honestly, you can see those things and go, yep, those are the... That tracks. <laughs> well, exactly. Yeah. So I, it all it all makes the most perfect amount of sense. And to be perfectly honest, it was it was fun to take because I think I learned some, self about, some things about myself. It did generate a really healthy discussion in my household um, just about who we are and what we do and why we do it and... Not to the point of, hey, remember when you did that thing? It was that trait that made you do it. I don't think it's use. I don't think it's a useful tool in that. That's just that's going to start a fight that you're never going to win. Um, but at the same time, I think it also helps other people think about themselves too. You know, unless there's somebody who is doesn't think that their actions have any repercussions at all, then they're basically fucked. So it doesn't matter. Well, in that yeah. case, you'd be maxing out one of those uh, one of those categories. Mm-hmm. Gee, I wonder which one. <laughs> so moving back into our article and this quote-unquote dark factor, or what's been just coined as D. And I just, for some reason, I love that, that it's just been coined as D. So effectively, a team of uh, European psychologists have recently completed a big study of research showing that um, despite their quote-unquote differences, um, all the antisocial traits that we talked about earlier share a common core. And that's what they call the dark factor of personality, or just D for short. Um, the personality characters involved um, to the degree which single-mindedly focus people achieving their goals, whatever those might be at the moment, while callously disregarding the fact that their actions hurt other people, or even intentionally hurting others just to get what they want. So... In the, we'll call it the jargon of psychology, uh, D, the dark factor, is a tendency for people to maximize their own desired outcomes at the expense of other people um, and to be able to justify their harmful behaviors and damage they cause through a set of antisocial beliefs. So this is, this is the first time where we talk not so much about a feeling, but about a core belief. Um, and that, I think, is a big part of what this article is talking about, like what you believe at your core, not just because we can all be antisocial. We can all be narcissistic. We can all be um, it, it, one thing or another at one moment in time. But it's usually just a small sliver of who we are. And it's usually fleeting. You know, it's not how we spend all of our time. Um, but this is talking about how these are things that are at the core of your being. Um, and that's why I find this just I mean, it's so interesting and just fantastical to do research on and to learn more about because ultimately for me, and maybe this is why I'm diagnosed as self-centered, 
I'm always curious to know more about myself and who I am and why I do the things that I do. And I would hope that it's altruistic enough that I want to change myself and always be better. But according to this test, not so much. Um, I think it's anyway. almost flirting, it's almost flirting with the line of psychology and genetics because like you know how for a long time they had the the quote-unquote serial killer gene like a, a malformed y chromosome or something um you know and that being or an extra you know like like something tagged on to your dna and it's like oh you know for a long time that was a big thing where they were like oh this will cause somebody to be more violent and you know inherently and things like that so it's like kind of crazy that they're you know they're calling this factor d and it's like they're almost promoting it close to that line of where it's like, is it still something that's social behavior or is it something, or is it actually something inherent in you? I've always wondered about the serial killer gene and specifically about people and their ability to hurt animals. And this is the reason I wonder. So um, my old pup that wanders in, in here Every once in a while you see her, you see her tail stick up and wag. Um, so she's almost 16 years old. So she's starting to have trouble with stairs and mostly just getting down them without tobogganing down the steps. Um, but like now my steps have little padded runners on them so the dog can walk comfortably up and down the stairs. And my dog has six beds in this house that are all in theory more comfortable and more expensive than my bed if you do them in scale. Um you know, she has dog food that costs $100 a bag. Um, you know, she gets to go to the vet whenever she needs to. I don't even take myself to the doctor when I need to. I, so it's like, I, I can't imagine hurting an animal. That said, I have a friend who I think is a stand-up person, is a well-respected member of his church. And when it's time for his uh, old dog to be, you know, cross the rainbow bridge as it was, he goes out in the backyard and does it with a shovel. So is he a serial killer? I don't think so. But he has a, a willingness to hurt an animal, even if it's for the animals. I mean, ultimately greater good. But like, I couldn't picture myself doing that. So what does that say about me? And what does it say about him? I, and that's where a lot of this, the lines start to sort of blur. And it's like, I don't exactly know what's what. And I get confused, but that's why we talk about it. <laughs> so ultimately, um, when we think of this D, um, you have to simplify it and think of it, think of it as a particularly harmful and malignant form of selfishness. Um, you know, these dark traits manifest in a lot of different ways, a lot of different people. But if we dig down deep enough, we find that many unethical antisocial tendencies share the same basic core. Um, so with this dark factor um the characteristics that are used to define this dark factor um they're they're pretty wide ranging and they they start out ultimately fairly similar to um what we call the the dark triad but this adds uh, several more um and i think a lot of them are if you think about it are pretty obvious measures like things that if you met a new friend and you were getting to know them and, and having discussions that you would measure like any new friend by, I think um, now, hopefully there's a lighter side to this too. <laughs> You're not just measuring people by these standards. Um, 
but ultimately with the, with with the d and and the the characteristic go into the dark factor um obviously machiavellianism is in there and again that's the you know using deceit or manipulation to get what you want we have moral disengagement um and that's effectively defined as an orientation to the world in which people don't consider the moral and ethical implications of their actions. Um, for me, when I looked at my score on that one, it was hell low. And I was happy about that because I think being moral and being ethical are very important. And whether it's your friends, your family, your wife, your bank, your grocery store, whatever it is, I think being moral and ethical is one of the most important things that you can do because if you're not trustworthy then you really have nothing so that's me i know not everybody thinks that way that's fine i'm not asking the world to be a judge i'm just talking about me so i was honestly glad about that one um narcissism obviously we talked about it the pervasive sense of superiority and grandiosity um um and more coupled with the belief that you are entitled to use, if not mistreat, other people to get what you want. Now, that's the one where, again, I was glad I scored low on that because I don't go out of my way to hurt other people. It's never been a thing for me. Um, but I am also have enough common sense in my head to know that sometimes your actions are going to cause other people discomfort, and it happens, and it's just a natural course of life. Um, but it's not the first tool in my toolbox. Um, psychological entitlement. This one was interesting. Um, and it's the belief that one deserves to have more and be treated better than other people. On this one, I scored less than a one. My, my wife scored close to a five on this one. And we debated the whys. Um, and... What she said to me is that when she was a teenager, she probably would have scored a one, you know, and as she's gone through her life and gotten a better education and better jobs and whatever else, she thinks that that's kind of what's drawn it up. And I think there's maybe something to that. Um, but I almost believe that that's maybe like a little bit of an offshoot of this. And there's maybe another category for that. Um, because. My wife, if you met her, she doesn't come across as entitled at all. She's not entitled. I mean, other than the typical millennial entitlement, but I, I forgive her for that because I'm almost 50 and she's 34 and high five me. Um, but so, but she doesn't come across that way. So it's the discussion was interesting. And, and I, I think she had a pretty reasonable, you know, kind of path as to how that may have, you know, how she may have gotten there. So um, again, interesting psychopathy so this is a disregard for other people that is characterized by very low empathy and very low self-control or high impulsivity so i think this is the one that we talked about and clark made some great points about this being in our media and how being a psycho or being a psychopath or going postal has become you know just part of our nomenclature in society we just talk about it like almost like it's nothing you know it's just oh that guy's a psycho that's why he did that but as we discussed earlier that's not a clinical diagnosis no one's ever been diagnosed as a psycho it's it's just it's not something that happens so but it is a fragment of a piece that is a bigger framework and um it it with a lot of these things you know i wonder it, it would have been interesting to get 
Ted Bundy or somebody to like take this test and, you know, and to see, you know, how many people that are serial killers versus high dollar CEOs that score exactly the same, you know, and it's just at some point in their life, it was one decision that changed their course. And it was like, I'm going to start a, I'm going to start a business. I'm going to kill this hooker. And it just went from there. Moving on, we have. Sorry, I was going to say, um, I like how also people use it interchangeably with like sociopathy and psychopathy. And I've always heard it described as like a sociopath feels nothing. A psychopath feels something and chooses to do it. Like that's how they, I guess, in a criminal like standpoint, not necessarily a psychological standpoint, like that's how they kind of divide it. They're like, oh, a sociopath does something because it's like an, an yeah, yeah, or or like a or a psychopath will feel good doing wrong. Exactly, they get like a drive or get a you know whether it be like a sexual thing or like a a, a euphoric feeling or something from doing that thing. Whereas a sociopath does it like out of an urge just to do it, but doesn't actually get anything out of it. So. Mm -hmm. Well, okay, so I'm going to say this like I did for our Brian episode. Nobody here is a doctor, and none of this should be construed as medical advice. Um, right. what, I, what I understand is with a true sociopath, um, you're right, they feel nothing, so they will engage in basically any sort of behavior. Um, between that and somebody who is labeled or uh, oriented as a psychopath, I think a sociopath is actually less likely to bring to bring their thoughts to action because their thought, because they feel nothing, their thought is that there's not going to be anything anyway, um, where a psychopath is more like a runaway freight train. They're just doing things um, and there is no control. Whereas, whereas a sociopath is sitting on a park bench having trouble getting motivated in the first place, you know? Or... Impulsivity is different with a sociopath, maybe because like I can see someone who like um would do something without thought of the consequence afterward. You know what I mean? Like um not not saying it's going to be a uh you know a, a criminal or even a hurtful act, but um you know whether it be littering, like let's just do something like that, something simple. Whereas a sociopath just might be like, huh, this would be funny and throw their whole bag of trash, you know, out the window of their car or whatever. And then not even, not even really thinking about like, oh, that was like, that's technically illegal or that's, you know, a bad thing to do or that's not good for the environment. You know, like impulsiveness, whereas like a psychopath would be like, huh, I'm causing trouble. You know, that's how I kind of also gather it. Well, I, I honestly, I think with a, with a psychopath is I think they get they just get a thought in their head and they just do it, and there's no measure of whether it's good, bad, or otherwise they just do it. Um, whereas in a sociopath, sort of generally knows a sociopath generally understands the right and wrong and just doesn't just does not care. It never enters into their mind to 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 give a shit about what they're doing. Um, again, no doctors here, so. You know, do not diagnose yourself based on anything that we are saying. Please do not see a trained medical professional and get the proper medication. So for our last two, we have spitefulness. Um, and spitefulness is interesting because it was one of the places that I measured higher than I would have thought that I was going to. 
And it's behaving in ways that harm other people, often for the purposes of revenge, even when hurting others also harms oneself. And that was the one that sort of knocked me back on my heels and made me go, wait a minute. Wow. Um, and I thought about instances in my life, honestly not analyzing every single interaction I've ever had with anybody ever, but one of those ones where if I was honest, I, that I felt a little bit of truth in that one. <laughs> and it was like, okay, well, I'm walking away with something to work on. And I think that's probably a good thing. Our last one is sadism. Uh, insensitive, cruel, or demeaning behavior in which people inflict physical or psychological pain or suffering on others uh, to assert power or for pleasure. Another one that I scored high in and, again, shocked me. Um, now, again, this is taking out, this is taking out the sexual component of, of what people generally consider to be sadism, either masochism or sadism. And I didn't think I, I would never have in a million years been like, I'm a sadist, baby. <laughs> what do you, I just, it never would have occurred to me, but I started thinking about the ways that I do things and it was like, wow. Okay, one more thing that I could probably put a little bit of effort into changing. So took a deep breath, swallowed all that, <laughs> tried to get back to my research, even though I had those things floating through my head. It was not easy, mind you. Um, yeah, so obviously, uh, all these are an unusually troubling set of characteristics. Um, and the ultimately, the interesting thing is that people who who sky or that score high on each of these characteristics. Uh, you know, as well as a few others also score high in the D factor. Um, now, digging a little bit deeper, the dark master trait involves a package of three distinct things. Now, these three distinct things, uh, the first is utility maximization, which is essentially um, doing whatever is necessary to get what one wants. For example, people who score high on the D report say that they'll do almost anything that's needed to get what they want from other people. Um, the second component involves purposely doing things to other people that interfere with their goals, cause them distress, or hurt them physically. And thirdly, uh, people that score high on D have beliefs that justify their malevolent actions, such as believing that they are superior to other people or entitled to get what they want. Hence why I'm now afraid of my wife. Uh, so... <laughs> The picture that gets painted from this whole thing is that anyone that scores high on this is extreme. Uh, they they have abject selfishness um, and they're just kind of a narcissistic turd. Um, the hard part with that is natural human instincts force us all to look out for our own interests and uh, behave in ways that we think will improve our lives and make us happy. That's just human nature is what we do. Um, much of the time, uh, you know, chasing our own goals uh, really doesn't have any effect on other people's well-being. I mean, often it has little to none. Um, but at other times, reaching our goals may interfere with other people's ability to reach theirs. Um, you know, as and when we win the game or we get the job. Um, but in these cases, most people accept up front that someone will win and someone will lose. Um, and people with the high D often don't accept that as the expected outcome. Uh, 
ultimately, most of us try not to hurt other people as we pursue our goals in life. Uh, but people who are high in D um, often don't care. Um, in some cases, they may simply not worry about the fact that satisfying their goals hurts other people. Um, but in a lot of cases, people with high D may intentionally hurt others to, to achieve their goals. Um, even worse, sometimes the goal itself is to hurt others, as when people seek revenge. Um, and when they do hurt other people, people that score high on the dark factor justify hurting other people just to get what they want. Now, that, oh, go ahead. I think that was an echo. Yeah, that oh, was a sorry. Oh, okay. Um, so obviously now this is, you know, just the beginning of this research. And, and now that the researchers have identified this dark personality trait, um, more research is needed on why it arises. What makes certain people habitually disregard others' well-being and even do things that can cause great distress? Is there anything we can do as individuals and as a society to functionally work on lowering the level of selfish disregard that underlies so many of our problems and causes so much pain? Um, a few other things would, would improve our society more than finding a way to reduce the prevalence of the dark factor of personality. You know, so for for the little bit of research that I was able to do tonight, you know, the two and a half or so, three hours that I was able to do, the the bigger thing that I started thinking about is like how does this apply to life? Like how do I how do I see this every day? What what factors in? Um and this is gonna sound dumb as hell, but the biggest thing that I can think of is driving. Driving is probably one of the biggest places that I see this, where people take risks because they don't care. And it could be for a variety of reasons. It could be in a stolen car with no insurance and whatever else, or they're just a dickhead who thinks they're more important than everybody else and they can just do whatever they want. Um, I was wondering from you guys, where do you see it more often? Uh, well, the car thing, I actually had an experience today where I had very, very bad thoughts. There was this guy that was driving and I'm driving normal speed uh, and and he whipped around. He he passed the double line, sped past me, got in front of me. And then uh, obviously we all hit a red light and then he, he stopped. And I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah, you really got ahead of me. You know, we were going we're, you're zooming all over. I'm going the normal speed. And so that's satisfying. But then I get on the main road and this dude's weaving in and out of of like traffic, like insanely and so the, he winds up in front of me and then all the traffic goes and i'm watching him and he's parked in, in the middle of the road so i and nobody's in front of him so i honk at him and then he starts zooming past everybody else and he gets really far and i had this slight feeling like oh man i hope he i hope he has a wreck that would be so nice and satisfying right now but at the same time i, I don't want like an innocent person getting wrecked so yeah traffic does it for me specifically i get really annoyed at at uh the general i mean whatever that whole scenario just really gets to me <clears throat> yes driving definitely um i'm gonna also add another one in here internet comments um how those can blow up you know just out of Really blown, like blown out of proportion, just for no reason. Like innocent comments that can turn into like flame wars. Um, I will do a quick example where 
Um, there was an internet personality. I'm not going to say who it is. Uh, <laughs> it's a good dude. Um, I enjoy his content, but it was funny that he, he had mentioned a, um, a video game. He'd put something up and everything, and me being a nerd and a semi-internet personality, I guess, uh, I commented on his thing, and I just said, yeah, I said, love that game, very underrated. And his response was literally like, what the fuck do you mean? It went platinum. It sold this many, you know, things and all. And so I responded and said, um, then why isn't anybody else talking about it? Like, why? <laughs> why? Like, nobody has mentioned this in 30 years and you're going to act like it's so popular. Like, I don't care if it went platinum in 1998. Like, sorry. Like, didn't mean to <laughs> ruffle your feathers. Like, he got so offended that I just, I'm like, oh, really? Because nobody's talking about it. I That's the reason I said underrated. Nobody's said anything about it in 30 years. <laughs> like, things like that. Just that people with the mask, when you have the mask of the internet, and you're allowed yes. to just get away with whatever you want, and you can just, you know, you can say shit to people that you would never say if you were in a room together. Uh, yeah, there's zero, there's zero social consequences in your real uh, life. Yeah. Yeah, you have no consequences, so you can just be as you know mean a person as you want, basically. Oh, dude, I have I have a good example of that. You know, like the next door apps or the Ring apps, or like Facebook groups where you know people post where the I lost my cat. Have you seen him around? That kind of thing. So um, I'm I'm scrolling through because I've got a lot of cats, and every every now and then one gets out, and uh, someone posted like it was either their dog or their cat went missing, and this old lady uh like uh next door account was like oh, i'm so sorry to hear it uh she'll be in my prayers and it was like prayer hands emoji and then this guy got in and like wrote this huge paragraph out about like uh we don't really need to hear that you're praying and that, that this and that and the other uh, and it uh, he went through this whole thing where it's like we're just trying to find a cat. We don't need to know your religious beliefs, all this stuff. And I usually don't, uh, uh, butt in on these kinds of things, but I was like, yeah, this old lady wishing her best towards your cat prayer hands is completely, uh, uh religiously oppressing you. I was so stupid. He deleted his comment. I embarrassed him. So that's cool. Perfect. Well, that's, but see, that's what should happen. And that's the, the other the other side of what Clark is talking about, at least for me, is there's a certain level of town square shaming that happens sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I love it because I approach every Internet comment that I ever leave. And I don't leave many. I don't. But I approach every Internet comment that I leave as if it's me standing there saying it. And if somebody didn't like it, they might punch me in the fucking mouth. That's how I approach everything. And to your point, Seth, somebody who is an old lady who is who doesn't have the ability to get a flashlight and go out and help search that says, I'm praying for you. If it if it does not meet your requirement of a religious or a non-religious belief, who the fuck cares? Shut yes. the fuck up. Yep. You know, take it, take it as she's basically saying, best of luck. And yes. there's nothing yep. wrong with that. Right. Why? So why be a douche? It was if you like don't the most to? positive like old aunt comment ever. <laughs> exactly. I, I, I also love it when people, um, when someone has an, like an earnest comment and people misconstrue it just because they want to fight. Like I, I saw one here recently that was, um, in a comic book form that, uh, 
like I follow and everything. And they were talking about a classic comic and it had a, um, like it had a, uh, uh, it was, it was in the eighties and it was like, um, a relationship between two male characters. And the person said, and like, basically this person responded by saying like, uh, it was a, like a monumental moment thing, but at the same time they're like, but like, it should be natural. Like it's, no one should think it was like a big deal. And everybody jumped on this person being like, of course it was a big deal. It was a huge deal. And they were like, they were on the same side, but they were arguing against each other. And I was like, so frustrated just reading the comments. I'm like, like y'all are on the, y'all are on the same side and fighting. Like he's, he's saying that it shouldn't be shocking. That's what he was trying to say was this shouldn't be a shocking event. And the people who are like, no, it should be shocking. <laughs> and I'm like, are we not all on the same side that it's a monumental moment in comic book history? Like, I thought that's what we were all agreeing on, <laughs> but they were fighting over that. <laughs> well, but that's that's honestly how I feel anytime I see a TV show, an article or whatever else. And the headline is the first fill in the blank. Uh-huh. It's like, OK, so why are we and OK. I'm sure that there are certain people or certain groups that are going to celebrate that, and that's fine, okay? But why can't we just call it what it is? The natural progression of things as our society be... Our society as a whole becomes smarter and just as like, this This is just what needed to happen, you know? But it gets turned into... it. So I understand the logic, but yeah, to fight about it is honestly... Yeah. The fact that we are so... Fucking ridiculous. <laughs> Yeah, the, the, the fact that we are so tribalistic by nature that we are willing to divide when we're on the same side blows my mind. <laughs> it's like it's like we're fighting for the same cause, but yet we still want to separate because, oh, wait, wait, the end goal is the same, but you're not doing it the way I want to do it. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, <laughs> but that's... No, go ahead. No, go ahead, dude. You're good. No, well, I, I, we were having this conversation the other day, like, okay, so yeah, I agree with you, Clark. Uh, humans are extremely tribalistic. We, we, we like teams, we like hard lines and all of that. And um, w- what's really weird is, is that I think in this iteration of our society with like n- the new generations, all this stuff, everyone's really, really comfortable. Like, I'm not saying like life isn't hard for different demographics of people, not at all, just in general. There's like nothing left to conquer. There's no big objectives. There's like generally just kind of entertainment culture. And there's no big thing that we all can get on it. Or we're like, okay, uh, everyone's like super America and we're like trying to uh, beat the Russians to the moon. Something like that. There's no more of that like rallying on like a thing. And it's it's more uh, everyone's just so comfortable that we have to find something to bicker about. Right. And and our uh, the system set up to pr- like to prey off of that. Like the it, it, it's not just news media and stuff like that that understands that very well. Like uh, you know, sex driving clicks, click rate and all that has nothing against like ang- anger clicking. Anger clicking the like ad revenue and marketers figured out that anger is a much better driver of clicks than than something like the old school like 80s sex mentality of marketing. So then you've got like uh you've got small YouTube channels where they will intentionally upload like uh an image on the on the community board and then they will they will have like a post of something in 
um, Philadelphia happening, uh, like a screenshot of a news article. But in the thing, it says, boy, there goes Detroit, and then say whatever about Detroit. And it's intentionally wrong, so it it bolsters their numbers in the comment section because they get picked up by the algorithm the more comments load in there. But it's a whole bunch of people fighting. Like, everything is set up for that kind of thing. It It's like this giant system we've built where it feeds off of anger and, and division. <laughs> well, I will, I, will res- I will respectfully disagree with you, Seth, and I will say that there's one common goal that we still all have to fight or one hurdle as a group of people that we have to overcome. Mm-hmm. And I think that hurdle is pervasive ignorance. That's what I think it is. And to what you were just saying about the media and things like that, I think that is part of our pervasive ignorance. We don't, we are, we are at a place where we don't get the happenings of our world from our neighbor anymore. Okay. The, the neighbor doesn't tell us what happened or, you know, our town officials doesn't tell us what happened. It's our phone or the internet that tells us, tells us what happened. But because those are not a true personal connection, it leaves us into a place where we don't have, at least immediately, a, an opportunity to have a healthy and reasonable discussion about what happened. We just get to jump to a conclusion. And when we jump to that conclusion, it either makes us happy or mad or sad or something. And then we, from there, we sort of go to war with that conclusion that we've made. Um, and I think that's a big part now of what is killing our society as a whole. It's killing it. Uh, We all no longer look for a way to connect. We find a way to go to battle with the person standing next to us. That's our first thought now. Um, And I, I think that our media plays a huge role in that. We all have to see what's happening. And the first thing that we do, we don't have a discussion. We don't get the facts. We just take a side. And once we've taken a side, then it's like, now I know who to fight and I know who to stand with. And I don't think that's the way our society was built to function. Um, disagreement is not unhealthy. It's not. It's, it's a way to evoke conversation. And it's ultimately disagreement is a way to bring people together. Because when you talk about something that you disagree on, ultimately you find out that you probably have way more in common than you think you had. Um, But because we do it, and as Clark said, so often through the mask of the internet, we never have an opportunity to be able to sit down and talk with somebody and say, hey, here's this thing, and you and I disagree. And then here's these other hundred things that we actually agree on. So, you know, why don't we just be human beings and say, hey, here's this one thing, and we don't don't concur, and that's fine. Here's these other hundred things that we do agree on. Let's go have a fucking barbecue and get a beer. You know, we don't do that anymore. The internet doesn't allow us to do that, to have the the backyard neighborhood barbecue that we all used to have where people where everybody got together, everybody discussed things, people disagreed, but everybody walked away friends. We don't do that anymore. Well part yeah. of the like the willful ignorance too, not just pervasive ignorance, but willful ignorance is that everybody's so guarded because we have access to everything now that you expect the worst and nobody Nobody asks questions anymore. Like a sign of intelligence is asking a question. And that's a big thing. Like people just want to make a statement, something they read, something they're regurgitating, something like that. But when they're asked a question, 
they get defensive immediately because they don't actually believe it or they don't know how to back it up or anything. And that person who's asking the question can legitimately be asking the question because they want to know more. I want to understand where you're coming from. I would like to see this you know, perspective and maybe I will be enlightened. But those people aren't going to answer. They're just going to attack and they're just going to say, oh, you know, Oh, you don't get it. You don't understand. Well, you're not part of it. You're not, you're not part of this. You must be, you know, you're not with me. You're my enemy kind of thing. It, precisely. And this, this thought that disagreement on a scale equals hate. It's something that I completely don't, I mean, uh, I'll keep it simple, but I'll make a, I'll make a, a very, what I think is a very valid point here. I'm a, I'm a straight conservative guy from Minnesota. I don't get being gay, for example. I don't get it. I don't, I don't get it. Like, I don't, why would you want to do that? I don't hate gay people. I just don't get it. <laughs> you know, so it's like, I'm not going to walk in a room full of gay people and go, oh, I don't get it. I hate all of you. You should all just rot in hell or do it. And, and I'm not a religious guy anyway, so I wouldn't do that anyway. But like, I don't get why, why not understanding something happened. The first gut instinct is to is people assume that it means that you hate something and i that's another piece i think of our society that like i think understanding used to be a cornerstone of our society like i mean and i go back to times when people were just farming and just trying to get along and just trying to make their way in the world and talk about say you know the the 1800s and the development of our country and when you had lots of different people of lots of different religious sects and the the reality is the one guy would trade you wood for food and the other guy would trade you straw for this and the one guy would give you a horse and you you didn't all go to the same church but you found a way to like get along and become a cohesive and collective society and the ultimate goal was people understood that if my neighbor does better so do i you know so why not do what I can do to make my neighbor better, even though I don't necessarily get what he's doing? You know, I don't, but I don't have to get it. You know, I just, I just, we just have to be part of a society where the the goal every single day is to lift everybody up a little bit, you know, just a little bit. Because if we, if everybody lifts everybody up a little bit, everybody goes up pretty fast. And now we're just in a place where it seems like the goal of society is just to beat people down, you know, just to be angry and to, to, to your point, make a comment like, oh, fuck that thing or fuck this thing or whatever else, or I don't get that, or this person did that. And I, it's so it's so mind-blowing to me that that's what we have decided to do as a society, that we we separate ourselves. To your point, we get tribal, and then we just go to war. But it's like nobody has any facts about what they're actually fighting for. They don't even actually know. You know, it's a tagline or a meme. Nobody actually knows, like... You know, so we're going to war. Why? And it's, well, because so-and-so said, and it, like, okay, that's not a good enough reason. Well, it's because so-and-so did, okay, that's not a good enough reason. Yet. Like, what are we, is somebody, this person in the middle of our dark triad and is murdering people because of some stupid cause, okay, that we should go to war against, right? The rest of it should just be simpler, and we should just... Respect the fact that you can have neighbors that don't agree and you can still get along. You know, it isn't 
it honestly isn't that hard. And to be perfectly honest, it takes a hell of a lot less energy to just get along than it does to actively hate somebody or something because you don't agree with everything that they do. It's like you're describing Mayberry. I want to fucking show. It sounds yeah. great. Andy Grove's show, Goat. Just the and that's, goat. That's a thing too. Is like um, you know, we're talking about these people we're commenting back and forth with or whatever. If you get into one of these arguments, it's uh, I mean, these are people thousands of miles away. Sometimes not even the same country as you. They, sometimes you really don't understand each other because you are cultures apart, and. We're not, we're 150 years removed from where 99% of people probably never made it 20 miles outside of the place they were born. And I drive farther than 20 miles to work every, you know, Monday through Friday. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Like, I mean, we're literally like our brains probably are not even ready for the availability we have to contact people. So yeah, I'm not going to be able to talk to somebody, you know, literally you know, 4,000 miles away and understand where they're coming from because they might actually have a completely different understanding of the world than I do. So it'd be presumptuous for me to think that I have all the answers. Well, but that's our, that's our internet culture though, of the ability to look at somebody or not look at somebody, but to interact with somebody 4,000 miles away and just say, fuck you. Okay. That's, well, that's not, that's not okay. That that's fine. I mean, have your opinion, have your stance, whatever else. But I honestly believe it goes back to an easier, earlier, and simpler time where people just got together in a room or in the in a, in, in the basement of the church or in somebody's farm field, and people talked about things. And the reality of talking about things is if you talk about things long enough, and I'm going to say this again, you find out that you ultimately have far more in common than you don't. Um, I'm going to use this as an example. So forever across the street from my house, there lived a retired nun. And the retired nun had every popular support this cause now sign in her front yard forever. And a lot of them were things I didn't agree with. Um, and probably three years or so into her living, living here, I was because she was also an older lady that needed help with doubling snow, fixing her house. And so I just went and did those things because I think that's a requirement of me being younger, her being older. I'm required to help. That's just what I think. The rest of the shit is irrelevant. Um, and finally, one day. She's like, hey, that sign fell over. She's like, could you go out and pick that up and fix it? And I'm like, well, to be to be honest, I'd rather not. <laughs> and she's like, well, why? And so an hours long conversation later on her back porch. She's she's dyed blue. I'm dyed red. Ultimately, we found out that we agreed on about 98 percent of things in the world. There was a couple of things where it was like, I don't think that. You know, I'm never going to think that. And we walked away saying, you know what? That's okay. And from there on out, it was a completely different relationship. You know, it was Christmas card and a fruitcake in the mailbox. And just so it was completely different. But it was because I took the time to understand, you know. So the hard part is most people now are not like us where Part of what we do as this podcast is talk about things that we think are interesting. We like to dissect the world and dissect interesting things. 
But every time before we record, we talk about our lives, what's going on, and we're trying to dissect each other too. You know, I I know a lot about your guys' lives, right? You know a lot about mine, or as far as each of us is willing to talk, right? And but I think that's how the rest of the world should be. I just don't think anybody takes the time anymore. Everyone's so busy. But then I think about that term being busy. And then I think about the internet and how people fill their time. And nobody is as busy as they think they are. It's, it's, a, it's a misconception. It's bullshit. Um, and I never rush home from work so I can check on the internet. I don't. <laughs> I, I rush home from work so I can let my old dog out so she doesn't poop on my floor. Uh, I can then feed my dog and my two cats. We're, we're a cat family, cat household here, too. Um, I like to check on my 3D printers, see how they're doing. Um, my Wendigo mask is almost done. That's super fun. You nice. guys will see that when it's done. Um, I check on the Discord, see what you guys are up to, if there's anything new and fun. You know, I don't have a lot of time during the day to do that. Um, and I'll say this, and I mean it. If I, if I say something in the middle of the day in the Discord, here's a promise I can make you. I'm taking a shit, just so you know, okay? <laughs> um, but being simpler and being closer and being connected, um, it's uh, one of the things that when I took that test earlier today, this whole dark triad thing where I was just like, man, am I, am I not as close as I think I am? Um, but then, like, having this conversation with you guys, it's like, I, I, to be perfectly honest, I think I'm closer than I thought I was. I feel a little bit better about who I am as a person. Um, you know, I, I'm sure I have some traits that are maybe not, like, the best traits. Maybe they come out at the wrong times or whatever else. But I think overall, like people that are in my life, people that become part of my circle, like you guys, you guys are part of my circle. Maybe you don't want to be there. Sorry, you are. <laughs> Deal with it. Uh, but like, I, I genuinely care. And like, like checking on you guys and our, our fellow members is far more important to me than like anything on the internet. You know, I mean, it's, so, I mean, I, people people need to find a way to, as connected as we are, and I've said this before, as connected as we are as people with the all of the different social media things and all that, I also really believe that we are the least connected that we have been in decades. We are so far apart as people. We can talk to anybody, but nobody gives a shit about the person sitting next to them anymore, and that's one of the things that scares me the most about our society. So I, I don't know what to do there. Um, so to wrap up the dark triad, does anybody have anything else that they want to add? Any more questions that I could possibly answer with the small amount of research I did? Uh, I kind of bring up, we said, um, uh, well, since we kind of went off on this whole tangent about connection and none, you know, not being connected through the internet. Um, do you think generationally this test is skewed because of this? Do you think people a hundred years ago would score lower on this test or do you think they would score higher on the darkness? Do you think because they need to be more I think an 80 year old would score higher? You th Absolutely. They, 
just because of life experience or because when yeah. they were younger, they had to be more self-sufficient and maybe take care of themselves and their close ones more. Like, well, I mean, yeah. I mean, people like through the great depression. Yeah. Would... So you think they're going to be naturally more aggressive. basically? Yeah. Well, there's a, there's a saturation effect, I think. And that's, it's how much life and the, and the world outside you has saturated your own life. In in 1929, somebody probably wasn't very saturated. They were very focused on what was happening to them, their family, right now. So if you were to say to them, you know, would I steal a loaf of bread from the guy next door that only had two kids when I had seven? Yeah. Okay. That that makes sense. Whereas now our saturation with the world is not, <clears throat> it, it isn't at a place where the things that I do, because the things that I do are more, and, and I think Clark said it really well, it's the making a comment on the internet. That is such a big part of people's lives now. But I also think that ultimately it's far less substantial than stealing a loaf of bread from somebody so somebody can't eat. So yes, I think there's generational skew and, and Seth is right. Somebody that was 80 would score way higher than somebody is that is 20. Because somebody that is 20, and this is going to sound terrible, look, I'm going to sound like a cranky old guy, but someone that's 20 doesn't know fuck all about life. They know nothing, okay? They have, they think that they've been so put upon and they have all these experiences. You don't know shit. So just shut the fuck up. I, I don't want to hear from you because you honestly don't know. Your whining makes me want to stick a screwdriver in my eye and give myself a home lobotomy so I don't have to hear it anymore. Um... That said, we're all still people. So when you can do something like this, my first thought was like, wow. And, and I'll admit, I'm somebody who likes to do podcasting. And so podcasting is about exposure. And it's about getting people who, that's what it's about. I mean, let's call it what it is. I mean, the narcissism piece of this, anyone who's a podcaster, sorry, is a narcissist at their core. They are. I have a voice. You should hear me. I'm important. Something I, I thought about all day long, and I think it's honestly true. At the same time, the biggest thing that I took away from this, and honestly taking that test and giving an honest answer, is that there's things about myself that could be better. Um, and if I can make those things better and I can apply it to all the facets of my life, there's no reason for me to not do that. There's, there's no reason. Um, my life doesn't suck. I'm, I'm doing okay. And I think that's maybe like the truest measure that you can give yourself is looking at your life and saying, I have a house over my head. I got clothes on my back. I got a car to drive. My kids have been through college. I've, and, and don't get me wrong. I've busted my ass to make all those things happen, but I honestly don't have anything to complain about. So why complain? I mean, is my local sports teams doing well? No, they're not. You know, I, do I wish my dog was 15 years younger and just a puppy and I had 15 more years? Yeah, but that's just not the way things work, you know? So I'm not somebody who is inherently born to complain, but that doesn't mean that I don't have complaints. Um, so it, it, the ultimate thing that I took away from this is that it was nice that I got a better understanding of myself, but it tells me that I need to do a little bit better of understanding other people. Um, and it's easy to dismiss somebody as a dick right away. And maybe they are a dick and maybe you have enough interactions where you know that they're a dick and you're just not going to deal with it. 
but you know maybe someone's having an off day maybe someone's having something you know uh huge and tragic and distracting happening in their life and maybe you're not seeing the best of them so whether you're at work or you're driving or doing whatever else you know try to give everybody the benefit of the doubt until they no longer deserve it and you know when they don't deserve it don't take the one punch let them have two <laughs> yeah i'm so gonna take that as positive so like absolutely uh, the, the mask of internet cruelty i think we have come to a consensus is actually uh is the 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 uh i, I would say that it's not the um the common it's, it's it's the offshoot it's the rarity it's the minority i guess we'll say um versus we could be in a lot worse places and we could score higher on this test so. I think for us collectively, but I also think that we are all thinking people. I think a lot of the rest of our society has given up on that. I don't think they bother to form a cohesive thought most of the time. Um, and that is ultimately what scares me because it, uh, your own tragedy is nothing other than uh, a short or a long series of bad decisions. That's all it is. Everyone's own tragedy is just that. And, um, you know, my own tragedy is a long list of bad decisions. Here's two of them right here. Okay. These are my bad decisions. But I also have a little thing called freedom, which I really love. So I can do that. But this is not hurting anybody else other than me up until I die. And then my wife will be sad, but then she'll get the life insurance checks and she'll get over it quick. Um, but so just when you're going about your life, Think about the things that you're doing. Think about the comments that you make, whether it be on the internet in real life. Think about, you know, the, the old guy that you see across the street shoveling snow. You know, I mean, think, just think about the things that you know that you have a way to go out and actively make better. So, yes, I understand that making things actively better takes more energy. I get that it does. Okay. Um, but think about the fact that you probably weren't doing anything worth a fucking shit anyway. You were probably just scrolling the internet doing nothing that fucking mattered. So I would much rather go and shovel my neighbor's driveway and come back hot, sweaty, and tired and want to go to bed early and feel somewhat good about myself than I would scroll Tic Tac or whatever. I, it would just be much better. So it people have lost, our society as a whole has lost its way. We have lost it. We have lost our way. The things that are important, we don't care about anymore. And the thing that truly scares me is our youth, our people that are 20 to 25, are the biggest bunch of dipshits I have ever seen in my entire life. They are the stupidest people that our society has ever birthed. Um, and they're going to lead this country one day. You know, um, I think I've said it before. If you guys have ever seen the movie Idiocracy, it used to be a comedy. It's not a comedy anymore. It's a documentary now. It is the future of our society, and it scares the shit out of me. Um, anyway, so I'm going to rant and rave and make things dark. So I want us to end on a light note, okay? So the light note is there is actually a light triad of personality. And so I thought we would end there. Um, and the light triad of personality is um, Catanism. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. Clark, 
just frown if I'm pronouncing it wrong. I couldn't um, even hear what that one was. What was that one again? Uh, Catanism or Cotanism, humanism and faith and humanity. So that's the light triad. Um, and I, you know, I read a little bit about it and I honestly kind of thought it was fun, but I'll break it down. Uh, the light triad is faith in humanity or the belief, generally speaking, that humans are good. Um, humanism, the belief that all humans across all backgrounds are deserving of respect and appreciation. And the Kantianism, um, or the belief that others should be treated as ends in and of themselves and not in a pawn in one's own game. Um, the funny part about the light triad and the dark triad is they're not an exact correlation of each other. Um, you know, there's definitely some correlation, um, but ultimately they're not the good and evil or a perfect dichotomy of each other. Um, but I thought it would be nice to at least mention the fact that there is a light triad after all the darkness and narcissism and uh, different egoisms and all the things that we talked about tonight that, I mean, ultimately fall under the umbrella of being negative. But if we're honest, are all just traits of people. Um, and it's what you do with them and um, how you apply yourself to the world and, you know, how you apply yourself to your friends, your neighbors. And then again, you know, the old people across the street that sometimes just need their driveway shoveled and that would make their fucking day. So um, I just, I, I wanted to, as much as the dark topic really fascinated me, and I'm me, dark topics fascinate me. I can't help it. Um, I also am able to sleep better when I spend a little bit of time embracing something that's a light topic, you know, and something that's, you know, good for the people around me. Um, so there we are. I, I we're, we're kind of at the end. Uh, you guys, you're, you're kind of your final thoughts here. What do you think on the dark triad and the big D as it were, I'm calling it the big D that's actually, that's what my wife is calling it. she's like, Hey, it's the big D. <laughs> so I find, I find uh, it kind of funny. Um, and it, I'm going to stick with the lighthearted theme because we want to end this on a light note, but I, I find it funny that the dark triad is psychological and the light triad is philosophical. And if you didn't realize that those three traits are actually a philosophical like mentality. So I find that funny that the light triad is something that you have to make a choice to do. Like you have to want to be better or you have to make the conscious effort to try to be a better human being. Whereas the dark triad is something that they're just saying is psychological inherently inside of you, or you don't realize you're doing, you do it naturalistic or instinctual. So you have instinctual versus philosophical. And I find that dichotomy very interesting that you have to choose to be good, but you might have dark instincts. Well, that puts us in the category of effort versus no effort. And one of them takes a lot of effort and one of them takes none. Right. And with that said, uh, excuse me, I would say that if you get up one day and decide that you're going to paint your living room, it takes effort, right? Um, picking the color that you want is more about how you feel. So these things will always go hand in hand. There's, there's no getting away from it. And dark and light are present in everything that we do every single day. And 
making the decision ultimately to to lean towards the green lightsaber and away from the red lightsaber i mean it, it yeah it, it is a choice but it's a culmination of choices and i think you have to look at yourself as a person and as a whole and you can't base yourself on one on one single choice i mean unless you're a serial killer or a rapist or a child molester i mean okay then yeah then you're a dick fuck off and jump off a bridge but cutting somebody off in traffic doesn't define you as a human being you know skirting past that red light doesn't define you as a human being you know um taking the extra 50 cents at the grocery store or because they forgot to ring up one thing doesn't define you as a human being it is a culmination of a life and you have to be able to walk away from those things saying well okay that happened but i did these 75 other things that were better you know and i think that's what people don't bother to do anymore is they don't bother to balance their own internal scales um and like for me i try hard to balance my scales i try really hard to do it i need it as a person so i don't know what in our society has shifted that people don't care about the scales anymore um but maybe that's like step one care about the scales and then find a way to balance them um it isn't my place to be judge jury and executioner of anybody but if you go out in, in society right now the assholes aren't hard to find the good people are um so maybe it's time we just need some more good people and it doesn't take much. I mean, it takes some effort, but it doesn't take a lot. And it, it takes no effort to be a dick. <laughs> so maybe just put a little more into it, you know? I mean, just a little bit, you know? Be nicer to your dog. Be nicer to your neighbor. Be nicer to your coworker. Be nicer to the cashier at the coffee shop. Just be a little nicer. I mean, it's not... I mean, it it, it feels like sweat at the time, but then you walk away and the feeling that you get from it is worth it. You know, and to, to live your life, you know, I'm not saying everyone should be a Santa's elf, but people should get to be a place where they have trained themselves and it's just their natural instinct to be nice. You know, it's if being negative feeds you somehow, there's no reason that being positive can't feed you too. Um, and so just try it. Just try. I mean, what do you have to lose? Well, this whole time I thought we were prepping for an Asian mob episode, so um, I don't have too much to add to that. I thought the dark triad was like the Yakuza or something, but uh, this has been... The Yakuza is Japanese. Please get it right. I said Asian. I said Asian. I covered my bases. Uh, But... The, no, the, I think this is interesting. I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna do the seventy qu- question one because I have some holes. I'm poking through the sixteen one, but if you're saying what I think you're saying, there it gives you more of like split off scenarios and kind of corners you. So I'll I'll do the full one. Well, I I honestly believe that it asks you the same question over and over and over again, but with a little bit different tone. So. It's trying to give you the opportunity to think about it, where I believe that if you're going to be honest with yourself, you don't need the opportunity. So I think that's the dichotomy there where it's like it it, it changes one word in the question. So it, it's supposed to change how you think. And ultimately, it doesn't change how you think. You react how you react. So I when I did it, I just reacted to the questions. I think it gave me an honest perception of myself. 
And the honest perception is that I've got a couple of things as a person at 50 years old who doesn't want to change. I've got a couple of things to work on. So I will, because I don't, I don't want to be, and I will pull up my sheet again. Well, fuck it. You know what? Here, I have this image. I, I have this image. I'm just going to copy it and I'm going to, to keep, to keep myself honest, I'm just going to drop it in our members thing here and you can all fucking see it. Um, I've got some things to work on, you know, and I don't, uh, I don't shy away from the fact that as a human being, I have some things to work on. I'm never going to shy away from that. Um, and I, I, I honestly believe that a lot of people don't bother to look themselves in the mirror and say, is 72% of what I did today. Okay. You know, and being okay with the fact that it was only 72% and then every day trying to bump that up just a little bit, because when we get to that place, then we're not going to have the shit that we have in our society right now. We're just not going to have it. You know, people aren't going to be killing each other and stealing each from each other and, and just doing all these things that we read about in the news and we're all horrified, but, and we all talk about, let's spend more tax dollars to fix this and let's put more laws to fix this. And it has, none of those things are going to affect yet anything. Our population has to be better people. That's the only way that we're going to fix what's going on. And so, so, okay, on this score that you just posted, is huh? it, does it break it down in a graph when you do the 71? Because I only got a number. Yes. Oh, okay. Okay. Huh. All right. Well, I will do that 71 then. Yeah. So if you look at the, if you look at the numbers, and this is like way too small for my old eyes. So if you look at the percentages, it's like, okay, so for all the people that took this test, right? If you look at self-centeredness and where the number falls, if if 100 people took this test, I am more self-centered than 55 of them. You know, I am more. So that's how you can measure this. And this was like kind of freaked me out so you have your score and then you have your rank and it's like okay so it's like you know my score on greed it's like okay so most people weren't super greedy i was a little higher but it's like that's not i'm not super worried about that you know but then it's like i look at some of this other stuff and it's like so the you know where i ranked is like out of everybody so it's like for self-centeredness so it's like i was in the like the 70th percentile but it's like that kind of scared me because like i don't think i'm that but like i said it gave me something to think about so can you feel bad because your overall was a 49 percent your yep. d yep well it's like you said i'm right in the middle and maybe that's as an aggregate maybe that's where you need to be you know right in the middle so i've always thought of my i honestly have always thought of myself as kind of a dick that's honestly what I've thought, but maybe that's the part where I don't think I'm better than anybody else. So maybe that's actually for me, a healthy thing, you know, but it's hard to know. And there's so many ways in which you can measure yourself, but I can tell you what, I, I don't steal. I don't cheat. You know, I don't kick my dog. I, like I said, put my kids through college and, but maybe on other levels, Maybe I could have been nicer to my kids. Maybe I could have been, I could be more attentive to my wife. Maybe I could do better at my job. So there's all these different scales and it's trying to balance it is really hard, but I think you can start out with just being a decent 
person. And and what does that mean? I mean, I think it's different for everybody, but you know, I have my old neighbors across the street. Guess what? I still go shovel the snow, even though I'm really fucking worried about having a heart attack at my age, but I still go shovel the snow. So because I'm 50 and they're 80. So that's just what you're supposed to do. That's what my dad taught me. That's what you're supposed to do. I can't get it out of my head no matter what I do. You know, do I hope I pass that on to my kids? I know one of them for sure I did. I know one of them is a little more aloof and a little more whatever, but I know one of them definitely has that. Well, but it's for my grandma and she can't do that, you know? So it's like, you know, the one that will drive 50 miles to go over and help her grandmother with something because her grandmother needs help, you know? And so I don't know. You can't, you can't make everything perfect, but you got to fucking try. You know, you got to try, even if the outcome isn't what you want, you still got to try. You can't be defeated by the fact that the outcome wasn't exactly what you wanted, because then you'll just quit. And I, you know, for me, I'm never going to fucking quit. I'm going to keep trying. It's me. Well, for all our listeners who are going to try this test out, I'll go ahead and um, put your minds at ease. Uh, my D rating was an 83%. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So if if Clark ever invites you to a sleepover, say no, okay? yeah. because he he may berate you and murder you and then consume your flesh at some point in the night. Always possibility. Yeah. Never. Yeah. Well, I've, 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 I've heard he's a good cook, though. So maybe I don't Maybe that about maybe he's feeding the neighbors. Maybe Clark is actually a good guy. This will be a good time to plug our real to real side series because uh, I think you have the Wendigo mask and apparently I'm being accused of consuming flesh. So we'll do ravenous. <laughs> oh, Sorry. very nice. Well, they, the original. Oh, oh, oh okay. Something different. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. That should be our, uh, <laughs> should be our lead into that. The, the intro. Okay. Yeah. So Clark and I are going to start a series called real to real and it's R E E L to R E A L. And we're going to talk about a film that was um, in some way, shape, or form important to both of us, but then also sort of how it impacts society and what we think if, I don't want to say if there's a moral to the story, but more its impact on society and what it says about society. So that's going to be coming in the new year. Um, I'm guessing within, before, before the end of January, there'll be something out. Um, and then we'll go from there. Um, yeah, we we tried to start this earlier and we tried to go too big and we both just kind of tripped over our own feet. And then, you know, and then Clark had some things he had to deal with. And so that was cool. Um, but it, we're looking forward to it. Um, I think it's pretty obvious that we like talking about um, society and the impacts that things have on them. And for once, I will not be ranting about the fucking Internet. So it'll be it'll be fun. <laughs> Yes, pre-internet days for this movie. So, 1998, yeah, such an innocent absolutely. time. Oh, God, such an innocent time. Oh, I love it. Good movie ruined by a poor trailer. <laughs> um, well, there are so many that could be said about that. But I think that's a great place to start. Um, and I, You know, and honestly, I look forward to it. I think I think our first, go, our first push at this, I think, was ambitious to a level that was ridiculous. Um, and I think between having something of an understanding, having something of a flow, um, and I mean, we've done a few of these now where we've had to do notes and do whatever else. So I think there's a certain level of trust now too. So I think that's gonna help. Um, 
you know, and uh, I think we're all strategically in a really good place right now. So I think it's a good, it's a, it's a good time to, you know, the opening kickoff and see where it goes. Sounds good. Speaking Any closing kickoffs? Oh, oh, oh no, no. I was just, uh, is anybody going to watch the, what's going on with the Super Bowl? I always watch it for the ads. You said kickoff. Now I'm thinking Super Bowl. We're getting close to that time. What are we like three weeks away? Well, my team has the best record in the NFL, and hopefully they don't shit the bed in the first round of the playoffs like they've done the last five years. Okay. All right. I have gotten myself comfortably into a place. I am I am now three years into detox on all sports. Um, and I could not give a shit less. Um, so I I have to scroll through my news feed in the morning to see how my any of my teams did the previous day. I don't care anymore. And to be perfectly honest, and this is going to sound so stupid, it's given me my Sunday back where I can get up early. I get my laundry and my chores done. I I get to come down into my little man cave here and do whatever I want. I don't have to spend three hours watching a team that, and I'm a Minnesota Vikings fan. So, I mean, they're probably going to lose. I know that, but I, I have divested myself in the emotional connection. And that is the biggest thing for me. I no longer have an emotional connection. I, my blood pressure does not soar when they lose. And that is such a good feeling. Um, as far as the Super Bowl goes, yeah, it's a big deal. Um, my in-laws are super into football, so there was a number of years where the Seahawks were in there where I just had to care because it was required by marriage. Um, but, I mean, if we can have some fun with it, by all means, let's have some fun with it. And to your point, Seth, I think the ads are probably the more fun thing than the football game itself. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, well, first off, the Titans aren't going to be anywhere close to that. And then, uh, so... That's my only interest. And then the other thing is uh, we could just opt out and watch the Puppy Bowl. Puppy Bowl is like on uh, Puppy Bowl like 17 now or something like that. Even better. I, I think at this point with all the beer commercials and such like that, it's all going to just be it's all going to just be black and white commercials with with just plain backgrounds. And someone comes in and looks at you and just goes, drink beer. And then that's it, because everyone's so worried about offending everybody else at this point. It's just like, <laughs> okay, whatever. But I would, I. Uh... You know, you know what that reminds me of in Futurama, the Gray Party, where uh, mm. they're like, the world's about to end. He's like, tell my wife I said hello. Everyone's like super. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know how to explain it. It, it. They got to a point in their society where like everything is uh mediocre and black and white and uh th they don't invest emotions on either way so their entire society is built that way it's good it's a good episode well I, I i said it earlier and i think that's where we are in society now that people envision any sort of disagreement as a a blood lust investment in hatred and that has nothing to do with what it is for for me it's certain there's lots of things in society that i don't agree with I don't hate anybody. And you know why I don't hate anybody? This is why. It isn't because they're not worthy of my hate, depending on the level to which I disagree with them. It just takes too much fucking energy. I, have, I don't have the time or the patience to hate anybody. I just don't have it. And it, it's, it's, it doesn't even come from a place of dislike. Like if I fundamentally agree with you or disagree with you at my core, you aren't worth my time for me to hate you. If you want to have a discussion, hey, let's sit down and talk. Don't be surprised if we walk away still disagreeing. But 
you know, we are sitting here literally in the discord having this discussion. And that is what our society is severely lacking now, a way to have a civil discord. Nobody does it anymore. Nobody does it. And I, I think if people could put down their prejudice, put down their preconceived notions about what they, you know, the things that they really believe that they already know, especially about somebody they've just met. And that's the worst part. Like you just met me. You don't know fucking shit about me. So don't assume, you know, um, like I know with you guys, I've been talking to you guys for well over a year now. We've done this a number of times together. I know that I don't know everything about you. And if we sat down and talked about avocado gardening, one of you guys might have a strong opinion about it. Okay. And it would be like, I would sit and listen because it's things I didn't know before. I don't, I don't fight new knowledge and why people fight new knowledge because it might go against what they think is just baffling to me. It befuddles me every time I think about it. It's like my, my brain and my heart thrive off of new knowledge because it's how I make my decisions. I don't make them just because this room is black and that room is white. So I have to just pick one and then let's go to war. Like I don't. And I'm in thing. zone seven. I can't get anywhere near avocados over here. Uh, I would love to be able to plant some uh, pineapples too. I mean, like Southern Florida, you walk out of pineapple and. Oh yeah. Hey, we just got bumped up where I'm here. We just got up into the prestigious zone five and we're just like, oh. Ooh, but but every everybody that lives here knows that's bullshit. There's no way in hell we're in zone five. Not at this way. rate, we're gonna be living in Greenland. I need to figure out what zone I'm in now. Like, oh, I need to send me the zone. Yeah, I mean. yeah. That that's the other thing. Our zone flipped too. Like, what what was with that? Are they? Because it seems like it the way it's always been here. To be honest. Well, people people are calling it, hey, oh, it's climate change, it's climate change. No, it's a bunch of scientists collected a bunch of data over, because it's been years, oh. like de decades since my zone has changed. So they collected a bunch of data and said, the data says that your zone has moved a little bit. North. Wow, that's so weird. Yeah. It's almost as if people uh, in control of this want to... Uh, control the the what we do with cows or if we have wood burning stoves or or uh how much we drive and how independent we are it's almost as if uh they want us dependent on their system and grid wow but see there's your there's your preconceived notion because those same people also don't want me to be self-sufficient and grow my own food so wait 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 hold up but say that again wait i thought I, I'm, I just, I'm confused by that statement the preconceived I'm right on the border of eight B and nine A. Oh, so you can <laughs> you can grow fucking anything. So Clark's Clark's gonna be out in his backyard growing fucking just yards and acres of squiff and a bunch of hemp and, and pineapples yeah, out there. Yeah, and and Seth is gonna be praying for an avocado. That's, yeah. <laughs> hey, I I'll tell you what. If this if this year is any indication, it is December 29th in Minnesota. Today it was almost 50 degrees. There is no snow on the ground, and. If I had brought my plants in and out, in and out, they'd still be growing, but I didn't. So this is, I'm not going to say, I, I'm not going to go into the whole climate change thing. I'm not going to do that because it's just not worth the effort. But to the earlier point, what I was saying is that if people had preconceived notions, I think those same people also would not want me to be growing my own food and be self-sufficient. They would want me to be dependent on the government. So, and I am the farthest thing from. So that, that change in zone 
gives me a little bit of hope. But the truth is, I've seen the change over the last three seasons, maybe four seasons, where I've got things growing into late October, early November, when before it was like September 15th, maybe, we got if we get lucky. Oh, I'm, you're saying the people issuing the zones out would prefer you to be able to plant more. I got you. Yeah, because that's what they do. That's all they do is they just, gotcha. here's where you can grow things and here's how long you can grow things. And I, for me, I like that. I, I like the fact that there is a group who probably is still somewhat semi-independent from the government. They probably still get some money or whatever else, but it's like, but they also don't issue new guidance every year. I think their last guidance was like 15 years ago. So it's like, there are people that wait for data and make good conscientious decisions. And it's like, oh man, I want a CO2 conversation with you guys sometime. Like way in the early days, me and Tristan had this uh, blowout debate on a uh, CO2. And I was like, let's pump as much CO2 in the environment as, as feasibly possible. It was great. He came at it with a completely different side. Still didn't change my mind, but I love him. I love you, Tristan. Well, you want to see you want to see big what looks like old growth trees fast. There you go. So, uh, anyway, yeah, I'm not gonna <laughs> I'm not gonna touch that one tonight because that'll just be a, that'll be a rabbit hole that I can't get out of. Yeah, 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 so. yeah. Well, this was fun. Thank you for introducing me to this um, test that I'm gonna make everyone around me take. Same Appreciate here. it. Yep. Somebody's somebody's <laughs> gonna chalk us. Like Lily's gonna take it and end up a five or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would be amazing. <laughs> I took I took my test and it says turn yourself into authorities now. What do I do? <laughs> yeah. Like well, turn yourself into the authorities. <laughs> <laughs> uh no, it, you know what? Ultimately the article was interesting to me. The the dark triad was something that I have known about for years. Um the industry that I am in there's a lot of salespeople, so narcissism is something that I come face to face with every day. So, getting a little bit of a deep dive on that, but knowing that somebody took it a step further and, and established this dark factor, and, and then put all this work. This is this is real legitimate work, and and if you get to the end of the study, you see that there's a place that says, "I took this seriously and answered the questions," or "I was just fucking around. Should I submit this or not?" The study is still ongoing, and. I think that they probably factored a certain percentage of people are going to fuck around and do it anyway, but it's nice that somebody is collecting data because data is what helps us drive good decisions. Um, and I'm ultimately curious to see what they come up with with this, but it was fun. Very cool. Well, would one of you guys like to sign us out since you guys put in all this research? Uh, I guess I brought like us, a big, just a, us out if you want. Yeah, just a big old send off. All right. Well, once again, we thank you all for listening. Hope you uh, made it through all of our ramblings and our uh, our philosophical waxings that we tend to do <laughs> and tangents and everything. Um, once again, you can find us on all of the social medias. You can go to our Instagram. You can go to our uh, Twitter. You can find us, obviously, wherever you get your podcast at. If you're listening to this, you've already done that. And you can always check out our YouTube if you want to see our beautiful faces sometimes. Uh, but having said that, we're closing this one out. Thanks again, guys. This is That's Effin' Weird, and you know we don't want stuff that's normal. We want stuff that's effing weird. Yeah. Including Clark, who's a, who's a giant narcissist and didn't do shit for the episode. <laughs> I need credit for all of it. I'm an, I'm an 83. Give me a break. I, 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 it's, it's all making sense now. It's all making sense. <laughs> Just rode the coattails, man. Yeah. Coattails, sir. 
explains why my back hurts so much.